Hello students, Professor Crunch here. Welcome to part three of the RPG Academy's trial of the Orpheus Protocol. The Orpheus Protocol is one of my very favorite games and podcasts. Please follow the links in the show notes below and check them both out. Before we start today's show, please be advised of a very serious mature content warning. This is not a normal RPG Academy show, but it is a normal Orpheus Protocol show. The game contains brutal violence, adult language, intense horror, and emotional trauma. It also contains potentially offensive topics such as self-mutilation, suicide, demonic possession, child abuse, sacrificial murder, and many other disturbing situations. Please consider yourself warned. But as a special treat, this game is canon to the current Orpheus storyline. Please enjoy, we definitely did. Let me now turn things over to game creator and Orpheus Protocol GM, Rob's death. Last time on Group 13. One year after the exorcism and murder in Chicago, we find Samson, Dacian, and Conrad living in a monastery in the Andes foothills of Peru. Under the watchful eye of their superior in Group 13, Brother Simon, all three agents have grown in their faith and power. But the time for preparation and study, it seems, has come to an end. A demonic presence invades the monastery in a shroud of rot and decay, taunting Samson and revealing itself to be the same dark entity that caused the tragedies in Chicago. The three agents are sent to be sure of a nearby village's safety, but on the way down the mountain, they come upon a horrifically injured man tied to a cross. All of you please roll against horror, and tell me how you respond. Negative one on the die, giving me a two. I'm focused on what's happening, but this is a surprising distraction, so I'm going to go with the two. You lose two. Uh, lose two sanity? Mm-hmm. I'll spend to keep him. I roll flat on the dice, and I have three willpower, so... Lose two. I rolled a one on the dice, so I have a five. And that's, again, of course, plenty, so lose two. And I'll spend the save. So we slammed on the brake, so the car is not moving now. Yeah, the cloud of dust from your sudden braking is drifting up through the cones of the headlights and partially obscuring the man, but you see him fall to his knees. And it's very heavily that he falls, because he can't actually fully lay down because of the way that he's tied to this thing. I'm going to jump out of the jeep and rush over to him assuming he is a native resident i and i maybe picked up a, a smattering of spanish i will try to talk to him i'll run over as well and i'm fluent off like a shot samson's out there trying to ask him some sort of question and stumbling over his words and samson you also quickly see that he is in very very bad shape he is definitely exhausted He's not bled enough to endanger his life, but he's certainly bled enough to make him tired. His feet are a mess from walking all the way, potentially all the way from a village, you don't know, on bare feet up these rocky paths. And, I mean, with this kind of depletion of his energy, all the cuts, the exhaustion, and the fact that he has no clothes, there's no doubt that he's going to die of exposure tonight if you don't help him like he's he wasn't even gonna make it to wherever he was gonna go so i will while i am trying to talk to him and failing i will grab a hunting knife and start to try to cut him off of the cross you see as you free him from the cross the side of the cross that was touching his skin there's some sweat and dirt and blood on it but carved in this cross is a phonetic backwards rendition of the Lord's Prayer in Spanish, which you know to be a deep sacrilege, an insult. The man's breathing heavily, having a whole lot of problems catching his breath, and you think of the unpleasant effects that being forced into that cruciform position for a long period of time has on people. So I assume while Samson's trying to relieve him from his cross... Conrad's basically going to be knelt down in front of his face and asking in Spanish with the best attempt he can to remove his accent, mm -hmm. what happened to you? The man's voice is very weak. He doesn't have much breath, so you have to lean in real close. But he keeps saying something about 
bad men coming and making a temple, is what he says. They made a temple. They made a temple in our home. Where is this? What bad men? He sort of shakes his head, and he says, strangers, foreign. He's saying that some strangers did this to him, did it set up in his own home. In Imboka. It's the name of one of the villages nearby. You realize that he may have just meant the village itself rather than his personal home. So this is more than just that spirit taking action. Either the spirit has already possessed and that's how it got here, or it is working with someone. (sighs) This is worse than we thought just a few minutes ago. We need to care for him. There's another seat in the truck. Put him in the truck. Yeah. So with him cut free, I'll take off my coat and try to get him covered. If we have anything in the Jeep, that would be some water. I'll try to help him drink some, maybe wash off his wounds a little bit. Another important question is, do you try to heal him miraculously? Oh, that's right. I can do that. Yes. So you get him a bit cleaned up. You have faith generally in your abilities to call on God to mend people's wounds, but you're never really certain about how infection works with that, and the idea of closing a dirty wound is just sort of discomforting to you. So you set about cleaning his wounds and giving him some water to drink and covering up the parts of his body that you're not currently cleaning so that he can hopefully get some warmth back in him. Mm -hmm. And you realize quickly on breaking out the first aid kit and starting to cleanse this man's shallow wounds on his skin. You thought at first seeing him that he must have been like dragged behind something or thrown down the side of a rocky hill and just rolled for a super long time or something because of the frequency of cuts and abrasions all over him. But that is not the case. Words have been carved into this man's skin on nearly every surface. Are they words I recognize? It's all Spanish. As I'm cleaning him and realize this, Conrad, can you read this? Can you make this out? And I'll show him maybe an area that's a little bit cleaner, a little bit clearer. He, though he's very out of it, he notices that you guys are paying attention to the words. And he says, again in Spanish, they kept saying that I would tell their story. They wouldn't stop. They wouldn't stop saying, Oh, God. And he sort of drifts into a partial unconsciousness. He's clearly in shock. Samson, I can either get back in this Jeep and start driving, or I can read these words. Which which will it be? Let, let's go. All right. Yeah, let's go. Forget it. Let's go. So I'm going to continue driving while he's tending. Well, does Dacian know Spanish? How many languages does that You've got two ranks in languages. Uh, That gives you one language at, like, conversational level and one language in, like, really just survival phrases level beyond your initial language. So, yeah, let's say Spanish and Latin, with Spanish being conversationally and Latin being just enough to get through the prayers. So, Dacian, you would be able to start reading whatever's written in this guy's skin if you want. Once we get him back in the car, I would totally uh, help trying to read and, and, and clean the wounds and whatever with, with Samson. It's very strange, the phrasing that you see. It's clear that it is a story. It's being told like a story. But in fact, the word choice, the rhythm of the sentences, it's very much a fairy tale or a story that you would tell at a campfire. And the parts that you can see, starting with his forehead, which is apparently where the narrative begins as it circles his body in a spiral headed down. Once upon a time, there was a family. A family that loved and served one another and knew its place in the world. The family lived in harmony with all things and prospered. In its prosperity, the family grew and soon... It was more than a family. It was indeed an entire village. One day, when the family grew too numerous and too prosperous, the people of other villages took notice of the family 
and jealousy grew in their hearts. By what right do these people have such prosperity, the men of the other villages would say. By what right do they live in luxury while we toil in the dirt? What justice is there in the abundance of their crops, and in the good health of their children while we suffer? And these hateful men came to the village and burned it with torches and anger, and lastly with shame, to cover the thing that they had done. Though not all of the family perished in those flames, many men and women, carrying their children with them, ran and scattered across the globe to many villages in many places, in hopes that one day the family could live happily again in the harmony that it had enjoyed before the hate and jealousy of man brought all to ruin. In one place, a shred of that former bliss was reclaimed. The family began to grow again, becoming more healthy. But the mark of hatred left on that dark day of burning had left a deep stain in the hearts of the family, and they became divided. A grandfather, a father and mother, and a young daughter were cast out from this new village, for they believed that the only way back to the peace and prosperity of the earlier age was to make peace with the men who had burned their home, to assure through cooperation and through unconditional love that such a thing could not happen again, where the rest of the family merely desired isolation. They reached inside of these four grandfather, father, mother, and daughter, and twisted the magic that lived inside their hearts, turning light to dark, turning plenty to famine, and they were cast out alone into the world with none of the light and bounty that they had grown used to. On the long and hungry road, they met a man, and the man offered them a bargain. And that's all. The story repeats itself, word for word, once it reaches that conclusion as it descends the man's body, and as you treat and clean him, it never changes. It just keeps repeating itself like some kind of mantra. Bargain? Like a... like a deal? Like a... I don't know how that has anything to do with what we're talking about, if it's even related. Maybe we're facing... Some sort of spirit that strikes deals, grants power for taking souls, taking lives. Brother Simon did say something about famine and the the region going through a lean time and a hard time. Maybe this maybe this entity that they're talking about is is where this is all based on. Anything's possible. At, at this point, I I'm so completely out of my depths. I don't know what to do. Maybe we can get more information in the village. Maybe so. something else will help make this clear. And I will look to Conrad and the road ahead of us. I assume that you want to get to the village, and so you're going to try to find somewhere safe for this man there, rather than sending him back to the monastery? At least for that now. seems to be the way you were going. Yeah, we don't have time to double back, that's for sure. If nothing else, he's in a better spot laying in the back of the jeep than he is dragging across up a hill. And noticeably healed. Samson's gift has not deserted him. The man is in much less danger, but he is still very exhausted and clearly harrowed by whatever he saw and experienced. And with that weighing on your minds, the three of you drive the rest of the way down the mountain to the farming village of Mboka. So you are reaching the outskirts and I would like you all to declare vigilance. Like, how wary are you being? I will use all of my temporary strain for three. I am going to use Spirit oh, Guardians. Oh yeah, you have, you have five awareness. And honestly, yeah, if you have Spirit Guardians and you're willing to use it each time, I guess really I'm only asking Dacian, because you guys are really good at this. I'll use all my awareness... Well, you've got two, so you can spend up to three. You don't necessarily have to, because you do know that these other two are very, very frosty. I'll just be aware, baseline. I'm not going to go out of my way to be super hyper-focused. So all three of you, please roll an awareness check with perception, modified by the level of vigilance you've invested. Oof. 
Eight. I'm flat on the dice, Woof. so my perception's Two three, on the so die. Uh, I'm at a seven. Well, needless to say, both Samson and Conrad notice as you sort of stop the jeep outside the village. Most of the roads are not really good for... The, the jeep would tear it up pretty bad. Mostly people just go on horseback or walk around here. You notice that no one is in the streets. You can see the town square and a few different side roads that go to more residential areas, just little clutches of houses. And you don't see a soul. And I mean, it's just past sunset. There would still be people out. And you don't hear song or carousing coming from the tavern either. It's very, very conspicuously empty and quiet. I'm going to kind of cast a knowing look Samson's way. And that I will return, having noticed the same thing as you. There are numerous houses that are clearly illuminated from within, but you do note that most of the shutters are shut. These are ill tidings, my friend. All right, so with this new evidence of the damage done to this fellow, do we still try the seance, or do we take a more hands-on approach? The only thing I can think of about the seance is that it might help pinpoint an exact location to check out. Something tells me with how quiet the town is, we may find ourselves neck deep in trouble just by moving about the place. Depends on if you think that speed is of the essence or if we need to take a more cautious approach. Well, Brother Simon did say we need to be cautious and gain information. As much as I hate to not act, maybe... We take it easy. So I'm going to kind of look for like a little parking lot of sorts, kind of along the main road, though, near the edge of town, like as soon as we can kind of find one. I don't want to distance myself too far away from where any kind of like entity might have traveled from the monastery into town. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to set up my stuff and do what needs to be done. You light some candles, draw some circles in the sand, clear your mind, and reach out to the dead. I'm doing this with some trepidation, because who the hell knows what I'm going to catch in this situation. Spirits of the dead, I speak to you this eve. I request your help, for I alone cannot possibly come to the answers that I seek. If it be of your will, assist us. There is a great evil in this land, your land, and we may have the power and the means to deal with such evil. Let us help your people. You are their ancestors. Speak with me and let me help you help them. A cold wind rises gently, and you can feel the approach of the spirits. But this does take time to concentrate and guide them toward you. I would like to ask Dacian and Samson what they plan on doing during this process, if anything. Because it can take up to three hours, maximum. I rolled it's going to take one. You're, you're doing well today. Oh, good. But still. So I would be standing maybe within a couple paces of Conrad. Not necessarily at attention, but very aware of the surrounding hand probably going back and forth anxiously to the butt of my gun making sure it's still there reassuring myself it's it's there it's solid i don't want to interrupt but i know i can't really help to the extent of my knowledge so i just want to be there if something goes wrong since I've worked with Conrad for some time, would I know if altering myself would affect the seance? As long as you don't break the circle or distract Conrad, you're not going to really impact what happens in his ritual. Then I would keep myself calm, but assume a uh, partial transformation for sensory uh, increase. Your ears become a bit pointed, your eyes turn a bit yellow, and the smells and even feeling of air pressure between the hairs of your arms become much more pronounced. And so do you guys just keep watch over Conrad and the injured yes. man who is now sleeping soundly in the jeep until something can be learned? Yes. Conrad, as always, the transition is subtle. You're sitting 
in this circle of candles and chalk and you're calling out to the spirits and you can feel that they're approaching they're approaching they're approaching and just like every time their arrival happens in a moment of inattention they just are suddenly there seated around the circle with you you see that there are three of them two men and a woman in their middle age likely the age of their deaths they're very bent and weathered and you can see from their garb and the calluses on their hands and the strength in their arms that they were farmers in life in a time before agriculture had modernized enough to even make it as difficult as it is now it was far worse back then and they raise their eyes to you expectantly having been called so I imagine even when I'm speaking with spirits, the rules of language matter, or... They matter much less. Okay. It's more or less like you could speak in a seance to any spirit in any language. You would just be mutually very thickly accented. The fact that you actually understand Spanish helps the clarity of the communication between you. But there is a magical element to it. That said... These spirits cannot truly speak because your power as a medium is not yet great enough. You know from your studies that you'll be able to speak with spirits and that, in fact, they can hear you. And your command of Spanish makes you much more easily understood to them. But the connection is not strong enough for you to hear their replies. Okay. Still, they understand what you want when you speak to them and they try if they're predisposed. Welcome, my friends. I think that you may know a bit of why I called you here this evening. The world of the living needs your help. They all share a look of deep concern, and they look to you for more. There's a great evil in this village. We do not know truly its nature, only that it is of the devil, and it seeks to harm the people that you are ancestors of. We are here to stop this evil, but we we do not know where it hides. Any sort of assistance you could provide would help us immensely in combating it. They seem to confer among themselves, and the woman straightens up and looks you in the eye, and slowly raises four fingers on her right hand, and one finger on her left. She slowly moves her hands until they touch one another and folds down all of her fingers and raises four fingers on her left hand and gives you a very significant look. She then pantomimes as though she were pulling a bucket up from a well. Should we seek the well in this village? She nods. The four and the one... Do you speak of the four that made the bargain with a man? She gets a very dark look on her face and nods again. Is there anything else any of you can think of that may assist us here? She makes the sign of the cross. We are with him. We work for the Lord. She puts a hand on your shoulder and nods to you in thanks. You three, before I leave you, if you have need of any assistance to help you go to rest. Seek me out if I am still around. They share a look among themselves and kind of smile. And one of the men makes an expansive gesture to the fields that surround the village. And then, smiling, holds his hands to his heart and then makes a sign as if he is sleeping. And you think that he means that in death these three farmers watch over the fields and that that is their place of rest, that they are given peace by protecting the farmland that gave them life when they were among the living. Then go, be at peace once more, and know that you have helped lead the way to protecting the people of these farmlands. Each of them clasps one of your arms in parting as they drift back toward the fields and fade from sight. The candles go out of their own accord, as they often do at the ends of these things. Gentlemen, we may have some answers. So Conrad kind of stands to his feet shakily. I must say that was one of the more pleasant times reaching out to the spirits of this realm. Yes. 
That story you, t you mentioned while we drove, the one about the four and their bargain, that I know for sure now that they must be involved. The spirits told me in their way that the four that made a bargain with the one that they met on the road are involved in this. The next piece of information that they relayed to me was that we should seek the town well. Something about that means that we are near our target. Daisy and you spend more time in these villages than I. Do you have any idea where that might be? In fact, you do. It is in part of the town square, which you can see one end of from even where you are. The town was more or less built around a trading post and ground well long, long, long ago. The trading post is long gone, but the well still stands in what has become the town square. So Dacian will take a long breath in. Just there. Then I dare say we be on our way. And so you go. Do you take the man with you, or just leave him bundled up in the jeep, or what's your plan? I say we leave him here, hopefully in safety. I don't know that he'd be any safer going with us. We could be walking into the lion's den, this jeep could be a much safer place. Yeah. So let's leave him there. As we move into the village, Samson suggests through some hand signals some actual tactical movement here which mm -hmm. is something that the three of us have discussed and maybe practiced in the monastery from time to time so yes <laughs> so everyone roll stealth is what it comes down to <laughs> sure that makes sense <laughs> so i have a four same same all right all of you roll luck then Minus one. Two on the dice. All right, I got a one then. Okay, Samson, roll awareness. Oh, wait, I'm good at that. Oh, wait, I'm not good at that. Uh, that's a negative two. I have not used any of my other abilities yet. Well, and you've got temporary strain. This is a new scene. Oh, this is a new scene from before? After the seance is a new scene. Ooh, okay. Well, I would have continued my vigil and set the same. That's yep. just assumed. Yeah, you basically, unless you mention otherwise, you're kind of always going to have yeah. three vigilance. Okay. With so rank five and... With the focus I have moving into the village, I'm going to use my rank five ability plus two in lieu of rolling. Okay. So that'll put me at, again, an eight. So you hear and see it as you make your cautious way down these streets toward the town square when the shutters of a house that is not illuminated from within are thrown open and a rifle is leveled at you from the window and it's fired. So roll a dodge and everyone roll initiative. Of course. Oh, I have dodge. Oh, yay. <laughs> Yeah, after you got shot in high school, you got real interested in being able to stay out of the way of things. Oh, plus two on the die. Uh, that's a five. I got a one on the dice, so that makes me an eight. So I got two on the die, which makes my initiative a nine. Wow, nice. And I have a minus one on the die, making my initiative a six. Okay. Which I feel is fair, because I'm dodging out of the way of a bullet right now. You do manage to essentially kind of hit the deck and come up to your feet in a bit of a roll. Very dusty, a little scraped, but crucially not shot. And you see that the person who shot at you is wide-eyed, shaken, sweating, and he's in a broken voice shouting for you to stay away. Just go back. Just go back where you came from. Don't, don't try to help. Just leave. And he's reloading. And it's Conrad's turn. All right. So was that in Spanish? Mm-hmm. I'm going to hold up my hands. Uh, remain wary, though. We're just trying to move through, friend. There's no need to cause anyone harm. Roll a presence check with charisma if you're trying to calm him down. All right. That's uh, one on the die, which puts me at a four, but I have a four in presence. I have a decent chunk of spiritual strain, I feel like, so I'm going to go ahead and do that. You've got four willpower. <laughs> I'll spend three. That'll make it a seven overall. Nice. Wow. Some really nice Spanish spoken here. You guys are suitably impressed. You see Conrad taking very slow and 
just perfectly unthreatening steps with his hands held up toward this guy, making direct eye contact, but with soft enough eyes that it's not threatening. And he slowly talks this guy into a calmer mindset, almost like you would see a person approach a wild horse. He's like a hostage negotiator when he does this. And you see the guy's grip faltering on the rifle. The end of the barrel sways and dips. And eventually with a sob, he picks the gun up and sets it aside somewhere inside the house. And he begins to shake and sniff and in a thin and pained voice desperately begins to apologize over and over. That's all right, friend. You were just frightened. I'm kind of motioning to Samson and Daisy and to continue moving on. Now all we're here to do is walk through. This... I'm so sorry. They, they said that more... They will kill more if you came, if people from monastery came. I... I just wanted you to leave. I'm sorry. That kind of leaves Conrad a little bit lost for words, but then he thinks for a bit. You've met with these people. Do you feel like they'll leave you alone simply because you sent us packing? His face sort of falls even further, and you can tell that he has no real hope of that. Then you've nothing to lose, friend, by letting us try our business. And you can see him resign to that. His shoulders slump, and he shakes away some more tears, and it doesn't take words for you to see how much he had been forcing himself to try to believe what he had been told, even though he knew he couldn't trust the horrible people who told it to him. He wanted to believe that there was something that he could do to protect himself, to protect his family. But what you say to him brings it home, that there's nothing he can do. He really is powerless in this situation, and you can see that weighing on him. So I don't know what Dacian and Samson are doing, but I'm going to kind of slowly turn and start walking back towards the well. You spend enough time making people angry with your conniving ways, and you learn a thing or two about talking them down from doing anything too dangerous. The man gives the sign of the cross to you, says a little prayer under his breath, presumably for your safety and his own and closes the shutters. And not long later, you see the lights go on in his house. You see candles being lit. So I think we're moving on. Yeah. So the three of you make your way to the town square, and you become thankful for the cloudy night, occluding many of the stars. And you become thankful for the fear in the town that has caused most of them to keep their shutters shut. Because except for Dacian, who unfortunately can see almost perfectly well in the dark, you are partially spared the details of what you see there. Four people have been killed, their bodies stripped and laid out, eviscerated. Their entrails have been formed into a huge circle, and their sex organs have been cut out and laid on their chests. Roll against horror as you come upon the sight of this unspeakable butchery. Ooh, two on the die. That gives me a five. Minus one on the die. Flat on the die, which would make it a three. Caleb, you pass the check, and due to your guardian angel, you take three sanity. Dacian and Conrad are much more deeply shaken by this, taking ten sanity apiece. Oh! Oh! Uh, I will spend two spiritual strain to buy that off. To fully block it? Yep. Okay. How about you guys? How do you want to deal with this? I'm going to spend four. Okay. So that, then I'll take two. And how about Conrad? Yeah, I'll spend four. Okay, so you'll take two. And then what I will need you both to do is roll a luck check against temporary insanity because you're so deeply rocked by the just barbarism and savagery of the slaughter before you. There's the roll I needed before. Uh, that's a two on the die. Okay, you keep control of yourself. I got a three on the dice. Good lord. You guys are both just steely in your resolve. Professionals is the word you're looking for. 
Yes. But that's the scene. In the town square, there is a huge circle of viscera. These people are laying there with their heads toward the center, their arms spread out, and their entrails forming the outer circle. And you can see now inside the circle, there is a curious, just seemingly unrelated collection of objects. And it kind of reminds you almost of the accumulation of objects you would get at a memorial to someone. Is this circle around the well? No, the well is nearby. Okay. This seems to actually be in the exact dead center of the crossroads that form the center of the town. How did I know you were going to say that? Mm. I don't know. (laughs) In the center of this circle, there is a mostly complete skeleton of a cow that has been displayed with, like, wooden posts driven into the ground, and it's tied to them, facing out. There is a spike driven into the ground upon which... Several rabbits have been impaled and long since died facing out. A pile of refuse of just trash and rotten food that is mounded up back to back with these other things and tapers to a point facing out. And a stack of beehives dripping with honey that pool at the base and are beginning to run out towards the edge of the circle. So when we come across this, Samson takes a second, his eyes get wide for a minute, and then he has this steel focus from his military training. And he just shuts down part of his mind and assesses the facts. How fresh is this? Obviously, we've got dead bodies and viscera. Is it hot? Is there blood? What can I estimate as a time frame? It's difficult because there are tons of flies buzzing around the refuse pile in the center of the circle, but none of them are touching the bodies. And so the normal amount of insect predation hasn't happened. But you would guess it's been at least a day. The bodies are rigid, and the blood is pooled, so that they're very, very pale. And the smell is the other clue. Alright, so... Player Caleb is making a bit of an assumption here. Uh, However, I believe Samson would also make the same assumption with his knowledge religion. Assessing this, he immediately starts thinking of the four horsemen. And as you make a circuit of this thing, trying to assess it, you also note that it was not a cow, but a bull. You son of a bitch. The horns have been removed and actually driven into the chest cavity of one of the corpses, the one that corresponds to it. You actually see that these things in the center that point outward point to the bodies, and the corresponding body to the bovine skeleton has horns impaling its chest into the ground. I would like both investigation checks and knowledge occult checks from anyone who cares to roll with cognition and you can also do this as a collaborative check to help the lead player do better if you feel like you are well off enough with those skills to not get in the way yeah i'd like to help because i'm just gonna get in the way so i mean conrad like he was fresh off his little victory against the the villager uh that he was not prepared for this scene at all when he turned the corner Mm -hmm. And so I'm just kind of out of commission for the moment. I would like to make both checks. So you guys more or less kind of stand back and let Samson go to work on it on the scene. Although I, I see this, I look directly to Conrad and I see that he is absolutely out of sorts. I'm going to stride over to him. I'm going to grab him by the lapels. Focus. We need to figure this out. I know you can do this. You need to talk to the spirits. Help me with this. And there's a pleading in his voice, but a very stern and directness that I am trying to shake you out of your shock at this point. Right, right. I'll. And while you don't necessarily think you have time for another full seance, especially with clear knowledge that people in the village have been instructed to interfere with you, and you don't know if that guy could have convinced other people to, you know, not mess with you, and you didn't even hear him leave his house. He seemed pretty content to hide. But you can call on spirits more directly than a seance. 
and, if you need their assistance. And that is specifically what Samson is referring to. Conrad pauses for a second. Just like in the apartment a year ago. Focus. So do you want uh, Conrad to use possession to gain access to these skills of investigation and occult knowledge so that you can assist Samson? Yeah, that's what that's what I was thinking. I know I have investigation, but I would like to have occult would probably be the the best choice. So go ahead and use possession at whichever rank you want to temporarily access that skill. And then the two of you can make a collaborative investigation check and a collaborative occult knowledge check. I'm going to use rank two. Which skill are you picking that up in occult? Yeah, uh, right. so that I can assist you. I picture this in my head as you having to take a moment since you're a little bit shaken while you're doing that. So I will turn and start investigating for facts while you focus up so I can make the investigation check. And then we can work together once your power kicks in for the knowledge occult. All right. Let's see some dice for investigation. All right. Cognition, yes? Yep. I'm going to spend one to take that to a five. Okay. In terms of investigation, you find that, unfortunately, the four people are a family that have been slaughtered. You don't remember their names, but you've seen them in the village. And it is, and there's a chill that runs through your blood to think of it. A grandfather, a father, a mother, and their young daughter. And the parts of this strange altar in the center of the circle that point to the butchered corpses. The bull corresponds to the father. The refuse pile corresponds to the grandfather. The impaled rabbits correspond to the mother. And the beehives correspond to the young girl. As I see that, again, the truth washes over me, but that cold focus pushes it away. It pains me that I do not know their names, that I've forgotten, that I did not know them well enough. But I will make the sign of the cross and, under my breath, rushed but not overly hasty, say the last rites. Which does bring you a measure of comfort, and there will be time enough to learn and honor their story when the evil has been driven from this village. And that's what you hold on to. Yeah, yeah, this is the, when this is done, I will make this right. Now the two of you must make the knowledge occult check. This is again rolled with cognition. Which of you is going to be the lead player? I, have I assume it'll be Conrad. Because, yeah, you can call on the spirit of an old brujo who lived here. And though he was not well loved by the church or vice versa, he comes to you more than willing to help. Because he, too, is harmed and sickened by what has taken root in his home. Yeah, at this time, like, my features take on, like, some unmistakably different looks. My hair is now jet black. Uh, I have a darker skin tone. Uh, and my And you have one dead eye. <laughs> yeah. But I set to work a lot easier. I actually have two on the die, which would put me at a four for cognition but you could take it to a seven for free if you want yeah, i'll do that uh i am rolling to assist yep so my roll unfortunately is a negative two Oof. which puts me a one in cognition uh i did have one invested in knowledge occult though so i'm at a two okay all right so i'm doing more harm than good at this point with a two yes samson is clearly deeply disturbed by the scene and perhaps even also disturbed by the person that has come to inhabit you and share your body. You're distracted a bit, Conrad, by his continual suspicious glances at you, and the spirit inside of you has a deep streak of paranoia running through it. He was someone who in his life did many dark acts and had many secrets and was always worried that his neighbors would turn him in to the church and that he would end up broken on their wheel or burned. And so your suspicion of yourself, as well as of your companions, is another source of distraction. But nevertheless, this man's knowledge of the dark arts is deep and profound, and you're able to assess the scene quite readily. The family, as well as the symbols of fertility of bounty and life 
Honey nourishes the young in a bee colony. The great strength of the bull and the decay and decline of the refuse heap, corresponding to these family members in the way that they do, give you a strong sense of the four seasons. But that's not quite right, you realize. It's just two seasons, really. It's spring, in the form of those bees, and autumn, in the form of the refuse. The bull and the rabbits, they're fertility symbols. So you have some sort of unified occult ritual that points at the two equinox seasons, the transitional seasons, and symbols of male and female fertility. And that's what you're able to get before the spirit of the brujo departs from you. Well, that was a very unpleasant individual. I pass along the information. Yeah, you actually have to kind of get used to trusting your friends again for a second. You okay? That seemed a little bit more extreme than usual. He came on me like a flash. He had a vested interest in the scene and in fighting back against this evil, which is good. But he himself was no pure and innocent soul. I believe that we got some useful information, though. I go ahead and I relay what I discovered, what might not have been mentioned by my recent passenger. Well, my guess was way off, I guess. Mine too, apparently. Uh, I still don't know how this fits into the other entity that spoke to me in the monastery. I don't know how this relates back to the apartment a year ago. Is this just coincidence? Are we missing something? Could your entity perhaps be whoever helped to form this bargain with the four? At, at this point, anything is possible. We, we, we're we getting information, but there is something very bad going on right now. The worst thing I could think of is that we're dealing with two separate threats. Although, perhaps if they were separate, they'd be easier to deal with. Unified, they might be even more dangerous. I hope we're not in over our heads here, gentlemen. Well, we still have that well to investigate that your earlier seance pointed us to. I guess we can go there and see what that tells us. So I've got a pretty good idea that the well, I don't know, is probably just a landmark, but I suppose we should go check it out. The spirits of the ancient farmers were very specific about the well, and you feel like with their level of communication with one another, they could have come up with a good charades message for you if they just wanted you to go to the town square. They could have gotten that across to you. Who wants to be the first to peer over the edge? Ha! Well, you asked, so I don't have to. So again, I picture us as going over in that strategic, tactical formation. Well, yeah, and after what happened before, you're checking windows. Yeah. As you go. (laughs) I I see Samson as being a step or two ahead. He's relying on that military training. He's still not confident in himself, but he has done this before. This is a Mitch moment. He needs to be there. So he would be the one to get to the well first. He would check the corners, make sure nothing in a building is is waiting for him. No one's sitting at a window. And then deep breath look into the well. It's quite dark, and as I said, the clouds have obscured the moon and the stars to a great degree. I would like you to make an awareness check. I got another negative two on the die. Still gives me a four. I don't think I used rank four at any point, so I'm just going to scrap my roll, Mm -hmm. plus one in lieu of rolling, so take that actually to a seven. So despite the minus two that I'm giving you for how dark it is, you actually still, perhaps... There is a errant wind high in the stratosphere that a beam of moonlight slowly expands and crosses the top of this well and gets you a look down into the reflected moon on the surface of the water, which is disturbed by motion, by rippling as though the water is uneasy. And there is a bubble, just one, small and quick enough that you doubt your senses, but Shortly following that, there is a change, almost like a deeper darkness beneath the surface of the water. And slowly, a mass floats to the top. And you 
see actually that it's hair. A great floating mass of long black hair surfacing. Someone had been thrown down there. And your stomach churns as the body in the well bobs in the water and its face is turned up. It's porcelain white, female, and you imagine very beautiful in life. And you kind of have trouble looking away. And those those eyes, they're dark and they're not as glassy as you would expect those of a corpse. And a slow, wide smile breaks across the face. What do you do? Does this remind me of Long-Legged Larry? Only in the way that everything that scares you does. I need you to roll against horror. Yeah. As the smile continues, this can't be rigor mortis. This can't be the movement of gases through a body. Flat on the die, three cognition. I'm going to take all that temporary strain. Okay. Six. Lose three. Actually, just lose one because of your guardian angel. You know what? I'm going to take that damage instead of spending. Okay. That feels right. With the initial shock passed, what do you do? The corpse sort of rotates its way up and slowly exposing its breasts from the water and leers at you. Honestly, I'm just stunned. I think I would just stand there for a minute and look at it. I've, I'm, I really don't know what to do at this point. Dacian, both you and Conrad can see that Samson has looked over the side and is transfixed and sweating. I think I would edge over since I know that I can see in the dark pretty well and kind of just go, Samson, what is it? Do you, can you see? What do you? The voice of your friend, Samson, helps you get out of whatever this strange reverie that you've been pulled into is. And you notice suddenly that Dacian is there next to you and you look up to him to see what he's saying because he was talking to you and though you knew it was him and you were comforted by it you couldn't make out the words you were so far in your own world with this corpse and you look up to him and you turn and clammy clawed hands grab you around the eyes as you're pulled shrieking into the well 